Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. It's relatively easy to proclaim yourself for peace while living in a safe neighborhood and easy to talk about forgiveness when the worst that someone ever did to you was to cut you off in traffic. But imagine the challenges of being a peace and reconciliation advocate in Rwanda after three quarters of a million people were killed and trying to bring healing to that world. David Boutura has been doing that in the decades following the Rwandan genocide as part of the African Great Lakes Initiative, AGLI, A-G-L-I, a project of Friends Peace Teams. But David's work has not only been in Rwanda, it's included Burundi and the Congo, and now he's coordinator for the entire region, including Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. This is a view of war and violence and peace and healing from the ground, not from the ivory tower. Before I get David on the phone, I want to remind you to go to the northernspiritradio.org website and fill out our listener survey. We want to know you, and we'll enter you in a drawing for your choice of $25 or Northern Spirit Radio swag like t-shirt, tote bag, and music. And while you're at northernspiritradio.org, why not post a comment on one of our programs? But now let's get to David Butchura. He has been in the USA recently talking about the peace and reconciliation work of the African Great Lakes Initiative. David Butchura of Rwanda joins us today from the Minneapolis area by Skype. David, or maybe I should call you David since we're both in the United States right now, welcome to Spirit in Action. Thank you for receiving me. It's good to have you here. It was so good to have you this past weekend at Northern Yearly Meetings annual session. When you arrived from Rwanda, did you come right to the Twin Cities, to Minneapolis, St. Paul? No, this is, is the last, the last one. I landed in Louisville and Tennessee and I went to Alabama. I just come for the French Peace Team's face-to-face meeting in Nashville. It was the last week of April. And before that, I had to visit some meetings, and was after I had to visit meetings, because, you know, Rwanda is far. When I come once a year, I prefer to do speaking tours for African Great Lakes Initiative. Yes, and especially now that you're the coordinator for the entirety of African Great Lakes Initiative. Now, you were coordinator for the Central African branch of that, and I think Central African branch probably includes Rwanda, Burundi, and Congo. Does it include other areas? Yes, yes. This time we are, we are no longer say Central Africa. We say East Africa community. This includes East Congo, Burundi, Rwanda, little bit in Tanzania, Uganda, and Kenya. And also we work with refugees from Congo and from South Sudan who are in Uganda and who are in Kenya. And so you've got some major problems going on in that region right now. You used to be for a certain area of what's called AGLI, the African Great Lakes Initiative. 
You were director for East Africa or Central Africa, Agli, and now you are the coordinator for Agli as a whole. What areas did you add on as areas of concern by taking David Zaremka's place? And which was he supervising that you are now supervising also? David Zaremka was based in Kenya and was coming about once a year to visit Rwanda, Burundi, and Congo. But when I was a coordinator of Central Africa, I was supervising Congo, Rwanda, and Burundi. Now I do supervise Uganda, Kenya, and Tanzania because I placed David Zaremka, who is now in retirement. So let's talk about the work that you're doing. It's kind of a massive area to think about for me. As you know, I've traveled to many of these areas. In 2014, I was in the Congo, in the far eastern area. I went through Bushumbura going into that. That was my first visit to Burundi. I've been to Rwanda, and I've been to Kenya twice. So that's my experience in that portion of Africa. Which areas are relatively stable now in Central Africa? Which countries are not having any kind of major problems at the moment? Rwanda now is peaceful. Even today, everyone wants to come to Rwanda. And you, you see even some international conferences and meetings are held in Rwanda. Now Rwanda is peaceful. Everyone wants to come and to visit. Now Rwanda is stable now. Is Tanzania stable at the moment? Yes, Tanzania is stable, as usual. And Kenya, we're having violence after election, as maybe you heard. The first election some years ago, we had violence. And this last year, we had another one. But we, we, we had, well, how to say, a time to do with our partners in Kenya, and this is why even I meet a few friends when I'm meeting people in Kenya. We do work together. And with American Friends Office Committee, we did what we call preventing violence before election, during election, after election. Is what we did in Kenya this last year. Yeah, even other international NGOs yeah, contributed for Kenya. Now Kenya is peaceful, but... As you heard, even there is a time where the opposition leader feared to become the second president. But the currently they, they did a negotiation. And now we have peace in Kenya now. In Kenya, there are some places we work in Mount Elegon is where we have some conflict, some killings. We are still going, doing some peace work there in those remote areas where we have peoples and conflict with lands, and conflict with some issues. So Kenya is mostly peaceful now. Rwanda's in good shape at the moment. Tanzania's doing okay. That leaves Uganda. Uganda, how are they doing? Oh, Uganda is okay now. The challenge now in Uganda, we have refugees from South Sudan, almost 1.5 billion. 1.5 million? Yes, in, in Uganda. And even our our program, we work there, I want to work with South Sudanese refugees with trauma healing because many people are traumatized. And as you know, in South Sudan, we have two types, major types, yeah, who are fighting, Dinga and Inwere. And sometimes when they flee, they are in the, the same refugee camps. 
they come with those conflicts and even within conflicts they do within the camp they do conflicts and is why also we are planning even our MVP people in Uganda to do MVP workshops within the camps and also through agri we have to do also trauma healing and we are building our communities we're going to get into the specifics of those programs as we go on david but then that leaves burundi now i've watched over the last few years as the situation in burundi went up and down and dangerous more dangerous when i went through in 2014 it was relatively stable it was okay at that point what's the situation now burundi before the coup failed burundi was stable it was peaceful but in 2015, the coup failed, and from there, many people were killed and others in the prisons, and others left the country. And now we have many refugees in Rwanda, in Congo, in Tanzania. That is a major problem because the coup failed, and many people were seen as maybe involved in the, that coup. It's where we had many people fleeing the country. We have many refugees outside Burundi. So you have refugees who've come into Rwanda, which is right next to Burundi. They also going over to other countries, I assume? Yes, so we have many refugees in Tanzania, many refugees in Congo, DRC, where, where you were, in Uvira. Yeah, we have many refugees from Burundi and also in Rwanda. They were saying maybe 400,000. I'm not sure if it, the number is reduced, but they were saying 400,000 in total. And the others also are in Uganda and in Kenya. So some of them have gone that direction. You said some of them have gone to the Uvira area of the Congo. Now, I went through Uvira when I visited the Congo. I was in that area for two, three weeks. It was stable at that point, although that was unusual because for 20 years there had been an incredible number, I think 6 million deaths in that area over those 20 years. How is that area of the Congo doing now? Congo now, like Uvira, most of the time they have attack. They have attack from rebels. One month ago, I had some people came from Congo. They attacked Burundi closer to Congo. They killed almost 26 people. There is no stability in, in Congo. East Congo, even in, in the south, we have many refugees now in Rwanda. We have many refugees in Uganda. We have many refugees now in Angola. Congo now is worse and is chaotic. We do not know how to explain because maybe the last eight years, almost eight million were being killed in Congo. Congo is, is in danger now and the killings in some places are going on in Congo. Congo is large and, yeah, it is large. It's not easy to know, but the conflict, especially armed groups and rebels, are still killing people. And is that mainly in the areas of Kivu? Yes, yes. So if people look on their maps, and I hope if you're listening to my interview with David Buchura, Kivus, you can look at the upper and lower Kivu, which are right over the border from Rwanda and Burundi. You'll see the area we're talking about with millions of deaths there recently. Yeah. Okay, so I think we have an idea of the map of where things are going on. Again, your post is as the coordinator for the African Great Lakes Initiative. That's also related to Friends Peace Teams. Could you explain what the connection is? Friends Peace Teams is a quick uh, 
spirit-led organization based here in U.S. and formed by YAL meeting, mostly YAL meetings from general from Friends General Conference, okay. Yes, yeah. we are looking how to include others, but just now they are from General Friends, General Friends Conference. Friends Peace Teams is an organization that does peace building and has three initiatives. One is in Africa, is called Africa Great Lakes Initiative, with different programs in Africa and different partners in Africa. The second initiative is in Latin America, with different programs on peace building. And third one is in Asia, also with peace building in Asia countries. And also we do development programs. As you know, peace goes with development work because we found sometimes peace also needs some people in the conflict. They need also other issues related to the physical Need it why is why we do peace building and we do associate other things even trauma healing. And is Agli the African Great Lakes Initiative? Is that a subgroup or a department or how is it related to Friends Peace Teams? As I said, African Great Lakes Initiative is the initiative of Friends Peace Teams in Africa. So it's a program of yes, it's a program. Sometimes we say in initiative. is a program of Friends Peace Teams in Africa. That program, I am now the coordinator, and I am now coordinating the program of Friends Peace Teams in Africa. And let's be clear, this is related to Quakers. I'm, I think there are many people who are not Quakers who are also working with you. But when last I heard, this may be an outdated number, but there were something like 4,000 Quakers in Rwanda. I heard at one point that there were about 5,000 right over the border in the Congo. And there are somewhere, maybe even close to 100,000 Quakers in Kenya. Are those numbers relatively accurate right now? No, no. I think the numbers, the numbers change because now in Rwanda we have many in Congo, in Burundi, in Kenya, yes, the number is increasing. So there are even more. But the work of the African Great Lakes Initiative, is that only Quakers, or are you working with Mennonites and other churches? In Africa, we do work with other peace churches or other peace organizations. Like in Africa, in Rwanda, in Congo, in Burundi, even in Kenya, we do work mostly with Mennonites. Mennonites, like in Rwanda, we do not have Mennonite church, but the Mennonite Central Committee, for many years, they were working under Quakers in Rwanda, and now even they have many activities on peace building and development. Even in Burundi, there were Mennonite Central Committee was hosted by Quakers in Burundi. Okay, so that's some of your partnership. I'm still having trouble. I mean, about how many Quakers do you have in Rwanda at this point? Well, now we do have almost 7,000. Okay, so 7,000 Quakers, and I think there's maybe more than 10 million people in Rwanda? No, almost maybe 12 or even 15, between 12 and 15 now. Okay, 12 and 15 million people and about 7,000 Quakers. How can you be a major force for peace when you're such a small number in the country compared to all of the other people? It's a big job for you, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a big job, but because the Quakers, you are a member of other bodies, other religion bodies, we do work with them, and we are known that we are peacemakers. The Quakers, the French Church is known as a peace organization or peacemaker, is why we do work with other churches and other religions in Rwanda, not only in Rwanda, even in Kenya, as they say. And also we do work not only with Mennonites, like in Rwanda and Burundi, we work for Quaker service of Norway, the Quakers of Norway. For some years, we work together. The Quakers in the UK, they give money, and we do work together for peace building. Also, Friends United Meeting gives the money. Is why we do meet regularly, not to duplicate and to see what is needed by our partners. So I'm still wondering how you can have a big enough effect I do think that what you have done with your trauma healing and with your AVP, the Alternatives to Violence Program, with all of these different programs, you've had a very major effect on the people in Rwanda. It's surprising for people who realize that in 1994, the major genocide happened there and three quarters of a million people were killed in Rwanda. It's surprising for people to think that you are the peaceful nation now. How did that change come about? How did you go from being a war-torn nation with people hating each other to being a nation where you're a place that people go to to find refuge from war? I think peace work is a sacrifice. As a peace work, as you know, is a Quaker value. Like in Rwanda, after genocide against, against Tutsis, Quakers as a friend, we said, and we sat, we said we need to do peace and, and reconciliation. As with Quakers all over the world, we have good tools. Some people, they do not have. We have a good tools, as you said, alternative to violence project. is a good tool everywhere we, we, we use it. We use for young people, we use it for in prisons, we use for communities, we use for survivors and perpetrators. AVP was a good tool even to bringing people together for peace and reconciliation. And not only in Rwanda, even in East Congo, even in Burundi, even in Kenya. AVP is a good tool, a good material we have. It's a special and it's a Quaker. And another thing is, is healing and rebuilding, rebuilding our communities. It was created in Rwanda where we had a lot of trauma, where we had everyone traumatized. And now it was like, may I say it was born in Rwanda. And now it grows even to other countries. But when we started that, we had even people, we had the Quakers from here. You know, here you have skilled people. They, they came and we sat and we said, oh, because the people were asking how to do trauma, how to deal with trauma, how to, do, to deal with grief, is where we started healing and rebuilding our communities. Not only trauma healing, but healing and rebuilding. And also, we have good tools. We have transformative mediation. It was coming from here, transformative mediation. And peer mediation, conflict resolution. Like this morning, I visited the Quaker school, the French school here in Minnesota. They have a nice program on conflict resolution. As the Quakers, I think here in the U.S., we have good tools. And when we apply them in Africa... Even people, they see that we have good tools to bring people together. And is why we are having success. We are successful in some places. And also, we are still even having other 
materials like in the UK. We have is there is a good tool is, is called turning the tide. Now we are using turn the tide in Kenya, turn the tide in, in Rwanda, turn the tide in Burundi. And with Quakers, we have a good tools. With our tools, is easy to bring people together. Is easy people who come, they like our trainings, our workshops, because with our workshops, we do not lecture. Everyone is, is a learner. Everyone is a teacher. Yeah, we learn from each other. We work as facilitators. When I was in Kenya recently, December of 2016, I had an opportunity to visit a number of friends groups, uh, Quakers, but I also visited some Protestant, some evangelical, different kinds of Christian groups there as well. Do you have a sense of peace work amongst other churches in Rwanda besides Mennonite and Quaker? No, for us... The peace and the trauma healing and other work we do, even the children peace libraries, even the peer mediation, is not religion. Even we may found most facilitators are not Quakers. We have even Muslims. We have even many Catholics. We have a Pentecostal who are facilitators. For us, we say peace is a group effort. Is not a religion. Why even maybe people maybe they like our programs. Because we work with everyone, we are Quakers, but the program is not for Quakers. We are healing the communities. We are healing the country. We are healing who is wounded. And this is why we do not see religion. We do not see denominations. We are working in Rwanda, even in Kenya, even in, yeah, everywhere we work with different people. I know in Kenya, among our facilitators, even you have Catholics, you have even Muslims, you have even in Kenya. I think... We do not work only with Quakers, we work with everyone. My question really was, I know that Quakers, because we have a central value on peace, will spread that through our churches and meetings. I was wondering, one of the things that can happen is you have some people who are trying to help encourage the community towards peace and reconciliation. But there are some places where people might be saying, no, we have to go get rid of those people who are not like us. We should fight if need be. So I was wondering if there are any other churches who particularly are in tune with a peace message that helps bring people in. You mentioned there are a lot of Catholics who are also acting as facilitators for AVP for the various programs that the African Great Lakes Initiative is using. So are there specific churches where people are more likely to resonate and to accept the idea of piecework? Yes, I think like in Rwanda, almost most churches say they were involved in peace building and they are involved in peace building. Like the Catholic Church, the largest religion in Rwanda, they have a justice peace commission. They do peace work. And we do meet, and we have the Baptist church, they do peace work. Even the Methodists, they do peace work, even the Presbyterian, and even Muslims, they do peace work. There is a way we do interfaith group, we discuss about peace. From what we had, like in Rwanda, genocide against the Tutsi, everyone is for peace, and everyone wants to have peace. Is why you found that many churches were involved in the peace building, or if you go there, you are well received because everyone wants peace. And even in other countries, some churches are involved in the peace building. 
Folks, we're visiting with David Buchura. David is from Rwanda, where I met him back in 2008 when I visited there. He is the coordinator for the African Great Lakes Initiative, which is a program of Friends Peace Teams. He took over that role just January of last year. He had been coordinator for a subgroup of African Great Lakes right in the area of Rwanda, Burundi, and Congo before that. So he gets to see the violence and the peace efforts within Africa, in Central Africa, from a especially good vantage point. He's here today as my guest for Spirit in Action, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. NorthernSpiritRadio.org is our website with links, so you want to find Friends Peace Teams, you want to find how to get a hold of African Great Lakes Initiative, David Puchura, you can find those links on Northern Spirit Radio, including those contacts for all of our guests that we've had since 2005. It's now been 13 years. We also have other information like stations that carry these programs and so on on our website. By the way, if you're listening to this via station and your station's not on our list, please give us the contact information. We'll add you. Also, you can post comments, and comments are the best way of doing things. Two-way communication is tops by me. There's also a donate button. This is full-time work. Please click donate to help us, but even more so, make sure that your local community radio station is strong and stable. With your hands and with your wallet, you can help make that happen. They're absolutely crucial in terms of getting the word out in the United States. Again, we're with David Buchura, coordinator, African Great Lakes Initiative, and we're just talking about some of the people who are working together in Rwanda and the other areas of Central Africa. Let's talk a bit, David, if you would, about the specific programs. We've referred to AVP, Alternatives to Violence Program, and I'm sure a lot of people have no idea how this could work in an area, for instance, like Rwanda. Right after the genocide, there was massive effort to bring AVP into Rwanda, and it was changed. There's different adaptations that are relevant to Central Africa. Could you say what AVP is like? Did you take an AVP program at the beginning, and did it change you? Yes, I did myself, and AVP transformed me. I had the basic 2001. 2002, I became AVP facilitator, and since then I was reading AVP workshops to many people. With AVP, it is a three-day workshop for the best, also a three-day workshop for advanced and a three days workshop for training of trainers and also after we do apprentice workshops but for us what we did most is three day basic workshop for communities bringing people together and that one for three day workshop the first day is people's they, they is like conflict resolution there is a major thing we call transforming power. People, when they go through the transforming power, how the people change, how people they are led to change their, behavior, their behaviors, and how people they are led to change within. Sometimes people they were coming, they were comparing transforming power with the, the whole spirit in Africa, especially Pentecostal. 
is where after three day workshops it was like confession people confess what they did not do best and they promised to do best after three day workshop I'm pretty sure that our listeners will lack any sense of how a three-day workshop can be so transformative. What kind of results have you seen when people have taken this workshop? The result is where we trained. We found when we were training even the, the survivors and the perpetrators or released prisoners. Yeah, we found a survivor for Gav, someone who killed one from his member or her member, her, her, her member. And we found people hugging each other after today workshop because the today workshop we were doing what you call celebration. And we found where in prisons, where people, they say, oh, why did you not bring MVP before we commit killings? And they said, if maybe... You have brought FEP before, we not commit killings. They said, where, where were you with FEP? Why did you not bring FEP before? We saw people, many people, not only one, even in prison, they say, now we are healed, even we want to go out and ask forgiveness. And we found even people outside with the communities, people were not able to greet each other or to sit together. But during our workshops, you find people who did not want to sit together, but the second day they sit together. You find people who did not want to talk, the second day they talk. And the third day, you found they are hugging and crying because of joy together. It's an amazing thing. How many people do you understand have taken the AVP or the HEROC Healing and Rebuilding Our Communities workshops? How many people have participated in them, new people? Uh, that is a big question. Since we started, I remember even when there's a time we turned what we call Gatacha Judge. Gatacha Judge is the one specific group. We turned that time 2000. In Rwanda, we trained many, many, many. It's not easy. I do not remember very well the number. And now also we are still training in prisons, in communities, and in schools. In Rwanda, we trained many, many people. And David, are there people in government who have attended these workshops, who've been changed by them? When we do our basic workshops, sometimes the local authorities also come. Even in the prison, we found some guards, they come to attend. And everywhere we go, some people, local authorities in the area, some they come to attend. So the hope would be, I'm sure, is that African Great Lakes Initiative, AGLI, is training enough people who are passing on this message and this healing. As you said earlier in the program, David, right now, Rwanda is a pretty peaceful place especially compared to many of your neighbors. There are a lot of Quakers, and I think they've done a number of AVP and other such programs in the eastern area of the Congo, around Uvira. Why is there so much violence there, whereas in Rwanda you've got much more peace, I think, now? Do you have an idea of why that is? As I said, I agree we work on the grassroots. In the Congo also we work on the grassroots. And I think in Rwanda, the government is taking care of peace in Rwanda. 
And I think in, in, in Congo, the big challenge maybe I see is the government. Yeah, the government is responsible to bring peace because even when we do train, we do what people grasp. It's, it's, for us, it's peace and reconciliation among people. But we found, as I said, in Congo, they have rebels, they have army groups. The population cannot do anything. What we are hoping is maybe with the people turned in Congo, they cannot fight each other with the peace value within. But when the rebels come, they flee. When they, the same in Uvira, the same in the mountain, they are in Congo. And I think now the major thing, the same in, in, in Burundi, the, our, the government, the government should play a role to bring peace to the entire countries. Well, then maybe my question is, why is the government in Rwanda for peace? Because there was certainly a time in 1994 when the government in Rwanda was not supporting peace, where the government was part of the cause of the violence. Why is the government in Rwanda different than the governments in these other countries? We had a bad experience. We had the genocide against the Tutsis. Is where we learned, we had the lesson. Is why our government is working hard for bringing peace in the entire country. Is why even everyone, even us, we are involved in peace building in our country. When you see, there's even like maybe for our identity card, there's a size and ethnicity were there, but now it's no longer there. I just want to be clear that listeners understood what David just said. The identity card that nationals in Rwanda would carry used to indicate whether they were Tutsi or Hutu. That provision was eliminated, so the identity card no longer tells someone this is a Hutu or Tutsi, and so we don't know whether you should hate them or not. You know, it, That has become much less important is what it comes down to. And because the government has helped to remove that. Because it's not obvious when you meet someone, whether they're a Hutu or Tutsi, because there's been a lot of intermarriage. I think that intermarriage is more and more common, I think, between Hutu and Tutsis, right? Yes, it's common. It's common in Rwanda and in Burundi and Eastern Congo. So that's less and less a basis for violence. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Intermarriage is now is common. In any case, the point is that the government has implemented some policies that have helped move the country towards peacemaking. One of the first people I got to know about, I met her here before I went to Rwanda, was Cecile Niramana, who was working with women in particular, and bringing together women whose husbands had been killed and women whose husbands had been perpetrators who were in prison. So women who might be presumed to be enemies, but they brought them together. At one point, I understood there were a lot of women in your government. Is that still true? Yes, almost 65 of our women now. Even now, Cecilia Nyamana is our clerk. Is a clerk for one day at a meeting. But are they, they also in government? Yes, in the government, ministers, yes, is where we have 65. 65 ministers or 65%? 65%. Everywhere we have women in leadership position. Well, maybe it's because you have 65% of your leadership positions are women. Maybe that's why you are a peaceful country. Maybe the United States could learn from you. Would you care to teach us anything? Yeah. Also, I think the women, the nature, they have compassion. 
maybe is, is what I think. Even America should learn maybe to have many women in position to see what is it that we have. But for us, we found that having many women in that position, it is helpful. And we see impacts. You mentioned earlier, David, the Gachacha courts, which I learned a little bit about when I was there. I see them as somewhat parallel to the kind of courts and bodies that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission did in South Africa. Is that a good comparison? Yes, in almost, but for us, we have also peace and reconciliation commission for the government. But the Chacha court, it was specific for judging people who were in prisons after genocide against the Tutsis, because we found that we had many prisoners, and judging them, it will take us maybe 300 years. Gachacha, it was our traditional system. Gachacha means grass, where people from the same community, they sit together and nominate or elect elders for judging or for solving problems. And for Gachacha system was to judge many people who were in prison that time. Now the Gachacha system ended because everyone passed through Gachacha who was in prison. Some were released, others were forgiven, Others, if they say the truth, they were, their sentences were reduced. Gachacha system is like restorative justice. But the major thing was to tell the truth. If a prisoner says the truth, it was easy to reduce his sentence. So, as you said, restorative justice. It's a, a tool and it's a traditional Rwandan method that you used. Yes, yes, yes. Again, you, David, or David Burjura, our coordinator for African Great Lakes Initiative, and that's why you're here today with us for Spirit in Action. You used to be just in the area around Rwanda, including Burundi and so on, that area of Central Africa, and now your work expands a wider section of Africa, including Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, South Sudan. People are coming in from there. What's the situation in South Sudan? So many people in the United States are not being talked about that because I'm afraid all of the attention is on our current president. So what's happening in South Sudan that there's so many refugees going into neighboring countries like Uganda? South Sudan also, they crashed. They crashed, they had, they crashed between tribes, Dinga and Dinwere, and some people fled the country, and we have many refugees in Uganda and in Kenya. As you know, Sudan was in war for many years, and now Sudan was divided. Now we have South Sudan and Sudan country. The root cause of the conflict of the war, I think, is also the, the leadership position, is, is power. I think is power because two people are fighting for power. They are the president and the vice president. African Union tried to make negotiation and tried to bring peace. I hope uh, they will have peace. But for us as a peace builders, what we do is peace building for them and trauma healing for them from the refugee camps. Maybe we are hoping when they go back, they will continue the work there. 
Are you saying, David, that you are dealing with the peace training, things like Iraq and AVP? You're doing those things, but you are not doing refugee services as some people think of them, take them food. No, no, for us is the peace building. For us is the peace building, bringing people together because they were the Dinga, they had the conflicts, they are major tribes fighting each other. For us, when we do take them together, we are hoping, we are putting them together, we are bringing them together, we are doing peace and reconciliation. Let's go on to another thing that you mentioned earlier, David. You talked about the violence prevention you did in Kenya leading up to their just recent election. Now, the election was not completely peaceable. There was some violence, but not near as much as there had been earlier. What kind of violence prevention do you do? How can you do violence prevention? I think we need to know that in many areas of the country. What we did in Kenya, we did like maybe three major things. We did civic education to communities. And after the trainings, we had what we call civic education reporters. And we turned almost a thousand of people spread everywhere in Kenya. Our civic education reporters, they were there before this current election, giving information what is going on. Even during election, if after, we did what we call peace caravan, to go everywhere to meet different tribes, to tell them that we need peace instead of making violence. And it was easy if one of our civic education reporters sees or funds something bad, it was easy to communicate, to send a CMS. We have what we call WhatsApp. It was easy to send, easy free, to send information. And we were working as a network with American Friends Service Committee and other Quakers in Kenya, even other international NGOs. And also we were working also with FCNL for lobbying. Yeah, some people did not know, even the political leaders, they did not know in Kenya. But we're doing that as a network. If we see something bad, it's easy to inform. And how, because we work on the grassroots, but we have American Friends Service Committee, we have FCNL in Washington, it was easy to communicate what is happening. But we found where we turn in Kenya, where we have civic education, we did not get any violence. Is why I say... Our major program before election was preventing violence. Again, David, I think that maybe we will have to have you bring your programs back here to the United States to teach us. You mentioned the work with the American Friends Service Committee, AFSC, but you also mentioned FCNL, which is Friends Committee on National Legislation, which works on legislation that friends advocate for. You were so effective with your work, and I'm sure there are many other groups working right alongside you in Kenya. You were so successful in terms of having a peaceful election follow-up that maybe we will have to learn from you. I'm quite afraid for what could happen in this country. How worried are people in Kenya about what's going on in the United States? Not only in Kenya, even in Rwanda, even in, we see when we, we see shooting especially children, shooting other children. We wonder, we wonder what is this in the U.S. And as you said, I think this is also is another time maybe 
Quakers in U.S. stand together for peace and sensitize and do civic education and do AVP trainings, do peer mediation conflict resolution with children. And I hope if everyone should stand for that, we should have impact even here in U.S. Is it true? Peace is a process. Peace, you cannot, there's no way we say, ah, now I, I, I reached the, the total peace. But we are still on this world. We must contribute something for helping the world becoming better. I'm still thinking part of the solution might be to take 1,000 or 2,000 or 10,000 Rwandans who have learned how to advocate for peace, or maybe some Kenyans who've learned to advocate for peace, and bring them back to the United States, bring them to visit here, and have them teach us more about civic education. Maybe we need your help to make the United States better. Yeah, yeah, it, it may help. We have a curriculum on civic education. We have people trained on that who are experienced on civic education and also for the turning the tide. And I think if also we should work together as Quakers all over, not only U.S., even, yeah, we should learn from Americans. We also should learn from us in Africa. There's so many places we can learn from one another. Again, folks, we are speaking with David Buchura, who is coordinator for AGLI. That's African Great Lakes Initiative. It's pronounced AGLI. He became the general coordinator in Africa, uh, whereas he was coordinator for a number of years in the area just around Rwanda, Burundi, and the Congo. So I wanted to ask you, David, about attitudes towards homosexuality in East Africa. Part of my visit there is the attitudes are significantly less permissive and accepting about gays, about homosexuals, than in the U.S. And at one point there was a proposal, I don't think it actually was approved, in Uganda that if someone was found to be gay, they would be killed. That was one of the proposals. So that's very much different from the United States, where we now have same-sex marriage and so on. Could you talk about where Central Africa is in terms of thinking about homosexuality at this point, and if there's actually a danger of violence about that? In Africa, if I, I go back, even long ago, if in Africa... Talking about HIV, AIDS, it was hard. If you found in someone who is infected, it was hard. And also the issue of homosexuals and gay is a new thing in some countries in Africa, like in, in, in Uganda. They did, but by the end, they, they did not put into practice. They reviewed. And, yeah, for Africans, we say is not our first issue to deal with. Is why sometimes we do not talk about and we do not take actions on that. We hear only. We found even within my country, they do not say about it. They do not talk about it. And they do not even punish. And because we have them in Rwanda, we have them in Rwanda. There is no punishment for them, like in Rwanda. But is I may say it's not allowed, but it's no punishment. And for me, my is 
found with is becoming even I, I remember here in US all states all states that do not start on the same time is what even I see Africa if South Africa took actions and maybe other countries will follow but is an issue we do not talk at all in East Africa now but as I said we have them and we do not talk about about it in part what I'm hearing David is that there is not a lot of violence against gays but it's pretty much hidden at this point when it's around it's not accepted in Rwanda or Uganda maybe Kenya but in South Africa since it's already more accepted perhaps one by one some areas of Africa may find a, a way to be more accepting is that what I think you see as a possible future? Well, it's what I'm thinking because I see South Africa started and I see, as I said, like in my country, maybe I talk only my country, we have them. But as I said, it's not in the, in the constitution. There's no, no constitution. The constitution does not mention that. Some people may not know exactly what you're referring to. When the Constitution was rewritten after the end of the period of apartheid, written into the Constitution for South Africa was protection and equality for people regardless of sexual preference. So it's good to know what possibilities are ahead for Rwanda and the other nations in Central Africa. I wanted to ask you a few questions, David, about your situation. My understanding is that you became a member associated with Quakers in 1989. And this is in Rwanda, and that's five years before the genocide. That means that you were Quaker at the time the genocide happened. Were you identified with one tribe or the other? And then what did you get to see as a Quaker on the ground in Rwanda at the time of the genocide? When I saw killings and uh, hear people being killed, it was hard for me. I wished maybe if everyone was a Quaker, but also we have we have some Quaker, few Quakers who were involved. But sometimes we have people even in churches. I say we are members that are not truly members. I wished if everyone was a Quaker, maybe we would not have many killings. Is what I saw that time. Are there some other things you can tell me about your experience? Again, you have this long period of leadership amongst peace people. Now, at this point, you're the coordinator of African Great Lakes Initiative. Why did that become your work? What were you doing before you got involved with that? Were you doing some other kind of work? Yes, I was a teacher. I was the headmaster. I did other things, being also a minister in Rwanda. But peace, peace is a vocation, is a vocation, is a calling, is not for everyone. Doing peace work must come from the bottom of the heart, because you must love people you work with. And this is why even we found many people, they do not like, even support peace work. And sometimes even to see impact of to measure peace is not easy. But peace, as I said, is a sacrifice. Yeah, there's a time when yeah, we were doing training, some people did not like, or others, they don't, why are you training this? Even I went, the time I went in Congo, I brought FVP in Congo, I was kicked by a motorcycle. The time I went in, in Burundi, they asked, oh, why are you coming here, why are you going there? 
I think peace is a calling and is a sacrifice because peace work has many challenges, especially in conflict areas. But peace is a good thing to do when you see people transformed, when you see people who are not able to meet and to talk and are talking together, when you see people not able even to walk or to worship together, they worship together. And I think is where you you get you get force to continue. And if you want peace everywhere, I think we need to encourage everyone to be involved. Because peace includes many, many, many things. Yeah, when there's no peace, there's no clean water, there's no education, there's no food. It includes many things. Well, David, you certainly have done your share of the work, and I think you just took on a bigger piece of work for peace, certainly in Central Africa, but so much of the world, I think, will benefit from the waves of peace that you will send out from your work. Now, again, you're working, David Butchura, working as the coordinator of the African Great Lakes Initiative, and OGLI is a program of Friends Peace Teams. You've been doing this work as a coordinator for your local area since 2005 and just since the beginning of 2017 for the entirety of African Great Lakes Initiative there in Africa. It's a great amount of work that you've done, and I'm sure there's much more coming from you. I'm thankful to have met you on your recent visit here to Wisconsin. Uh, You're in the Twin Cities, Minnesota now, and you've traveled a number of other states already. Thank you for going about sowing seeds of peace in our hearts here in the United States as well as Africa. And thank you for joining me today for Spirit in Action. Okay, thank you, Mark. Thank you. And take my greetings back to all of the dear friends in Rwanda, in Kenya, in the Congo, Burundi, people I've met. Please take back my greetings and my love. Yes, I'll do that. We're so fortunate to have committed peace workers like David Butchura and the other folks of Agli and the Friends Peace Teams. There's a link on northernspiritradio.org. And while you're there, fill out our listener survey and get entered in our drawing for $25 or a package of Northern Spirit Radio t-shirt, tote bag, and music. In any case, we'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. Oh